right, how we doing? Happy weekend. Y'all having a good weekend? Yes. Are you having a good weekend because you're not at work or school? Is that, is that what makes it a good weekend? Right? For a lot of us, that's what makes it a good weekend. I'm not at work. I'm not at school. Right? So things that you would normally, whether it's at an office or a cubicle or the classroom somewhere, you just don't have to think about any of that stuff. Right? The weekend might be your only time all week to not set an alarm. Right? Maybe the weekend is your only time all week where you, you can give yourself a little treat and stay up a little bit later. Or maybe it's just that you don't have to think about work. Right? You don't have to think about that project or that thing that you've got waiting for you. You don't have to answer a phone. Maybe you just don't have to talk to people. Maybe it's any or all of those things, right? But for a lot of people, what makes the weekend so good is that you are just not at work. This is, you know, not work for, for some of us. <laughs> See, it's a little awkward. I'm at work right now. Like, I'm work right now. This is my job. You are at my workplace, right? This, the coffee you're drinking is my coffee. We just make more on the weekend, right? And so, welcome, welcome to my job. This is your break from work. Your not work is my work. Right? This is your hiatus from work. It feels great. This is when I'm at the most work. This is my most work. This is peak work right now. And you guys are just sitting there looking at me. Right? It's weird. I'm going to do that to you this week. I'm going to show up at your workplace. Sit down in a chair facing you. I'm going to drink your coffee. And you're going you're gonna to talk to me for a half an hour. And it's going to be great. It's going to be really good. I just barge into my work. I don't do that at your offices. It's hard sometimes, you know, because everyone's pumped about the weekend. Everyone's super excited. Woo! Saturday, Sunday, right? This is going to be the greatest 48 hours. This is going to be so good to, to not be at work. And you're going to share something on Facebook that says you're pumped about the weekend. No, some people are running the world on the weekend. There are some people grinding it out on Saturdays and Sundays. You're welcome. While we're on the topic, let's talk about holidays. Right? Sometimes you hear people talk about like Christmas and Easter. Oh, some time off. This is going to be a great long weekend. Not if you work for the Lord. No, no. No, no. He makes you work weekends. He makes you work on the holidays. I'm not saying he's a bad boss. He's a good boss. That's what makes it hard. He's perfect. Can you imagine what it'd be like to have a boss with no blemish? You can't even complain about it. You can't even talk about him. Not to mention the pressure of what happens if you do a bad job at work. Some of you, like, if you do a bad job selling TVs at Best Buy, great, less people are watching TV. Your bad job is a benefit to society. If I do a terrible job at pastoring and preaching, it is potentially the eternal damnation of hundreds of people's souls. I'm, I sleep well at night, though. It's great. I might be overstating things a little bit. Might just be a little bit of exaggeration there, but if one more person makes a joke about how pastors work one day a week, I will cut you. <laughs> anyway, for those of you who don't know me, you're alarmed right now. You're like, who is this guy? What is he saying? That's sarcasm. It's all sarcasm, right? I obviously understand that if you're a pastor, you work on the weekends. There are some jobs that when you sign up to do them, it should not be a shock that you end up actually having to do them, right? Like I'm always a little confused when you see people in a job role that are upset about what their job entails, but they knew full well going into it. If you don't like kids, don't teach. <laughs> right? Like, I can't stand kids, but man, I'm a, I'm a grade three teacher. It's going really well. Why would you do that, right? Or people that, you know, like if you're a surgeon and you faint at the sight of blood, don't. Just don't. Like, I didn't know I was going to have to touch people's bodies. Gross. 
Well, you should know going into it, I'm always perplexed by grumpy Walmart greeters. <laughs> right? Like, you do not have a long job description. You do one thing. It's not be grumpy. That's it. That's not a lengthy job interview, right? Like, can you say hi to people without spite? Check yes or no, right? And if, and if you can check yes, then you should be able to go do that job with a smile. There's a lot of Walmart greeters who have checked yes, but they're living no. I'm always confused, right? It's, I want to take a few minutes tonight. We're going to talk about work. I'm going to talk about work. There was a groan, right? Like, oh, work. Right? We have a really bizarre relationship with work. Whether, whether it is maybe in the ministry or at Walmart or at school or whatever it is you do for a job, a lot of us really dislike work. A lot of you just really don't like going to work. Every day you go to work is a terrible day. And you watch the clock because the clock will tell you when it's time to not work anymore. Right? And then you count down the days to the weekend so that you can not work for two more days. And then everyone groans because Monday's coming. Why? Why Mondays? Because you're back to work. Right? We don't love work, but here's the problem. You're going to spend the vast majority of your waking life doing work. And so if work makes you miserable, your life is going to be miserable. And so we have a choice to make in how we're going to have this relationship with work. And if your whole life is a countdown to when you cannot work, it is going to be a difficult life. But this is a lot of us, right? This, this is a lot of us. I mean, you think about the way the world talks about work. The way that work is even kind of represented on TV and in the movies. Anyone watch The Office? Right? The Office is one of the greatest representations of the work environment that the world has ever had. Right? And, and to talk about a mundane job, these people go to work at a paper factory. They sell paper to businesses. It's all phone calls and cubicles and weird coworkers and bad bosses. Right? And, and, and it just depicts this idea of kind of suffering through work. There's, there's actually one episode in particular where there's a guy, um, his name is Stanley, and he is so unengaged with his work that people realize they can literally do anything and he would not notice. One guy dresses up like a woman, speaks to him like a woman. He doesn't even know. One woman actually puts on a mustache, says, hey, Stanley, love you, is not, doesn't even bat an eye. They actually show up with a pony at the front desk and he leaves, doesn't even notice it. Right? All he notices is when five o'clock rolls around, he's ready to go. And that is the relationship that so many people have with work. All I care about is when is this done. It's almost viewed as, as a necessary evil, as a thing that I have to get out of my way. But what if, what if work is actually a spiritual act? What if work is actually a good thing that was given to us by God? And what if there's actually a relationship that exists between you and your soul and your attitude when it comes to work and the way you do work and how you work. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, and hopefully for some of you, it might be kind of a different, new, or fresh perspective on the relationship that we have with work because I think it's really important. And the reason we're talking about this is that we are working through <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and Solomon, the author, is taking us on this journey on, on his kind of path to find contentment, fulfillment, meaning, and purpose. And he tries all these things, does all these things, and kind of concludes that it was all meaningless. But it's not. And he talks about that as well. And uh, we actually found out last week in chapter 2, it says, I denied myself nothing. I didn't, denied myself no pleasure in my search for contentment. Right? There's nothing that this guy hasn't done. He has left no stone unturned, unturned on, on his quest to find contentment 
and fulfillment. And so we talked about fun and enjoyment and pleasure last week, and we talked about how all those things are good things unless they are the primary pursuit of your life. And then you will discover that they will actually end up leaving you empty. That's what Solomon calls chasing after the wind. He doesn't mean that fun and enjoyment are bad. They're bad when they're in the wrong place. And so that's kind of what we've been learning about. And it was one of the central themes of the book. Well, so is work. And Solomon talks about work a lot. He talks about it positively and he talks about it negatively. And so the question today is what can Solomon teach us about work? What is God's word really teaching us about work? And so here's a few examples from Solomon that are all positive, which is kind of a change in direction for Solomon. This is chapter 3, verse 22. Solomon says, So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. That is our lot in life. And no one can bring us back to see what happens after we die. He says, We should be happy in our work. Chapter 5:18. Even so, I have noticed one thing at least that is good. That's as happy as Solomon gets. I noticed one thing that was okay. And he says, it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. And a verse we looked at last week, chapter 224. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. And I realized these pleasures are from the hand of God. So chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 5, just a few examples. And the words he uses to describe work are happy, enjoyable, and satisfying. Really. Those are the words. If you were to poll the world on how they think about work, those are not going to be the top three words. How do you like your job? How's your boss? How do you feel getting up every day? Oh, happy. I am so satisfied in my work and I enjoy it. Some people do. But that's not most people, I would wager. Those are not the words that they are thinking of. That's not how the world kind of depicts work and talks about work. So what does Solomon know that we don't? Remember, this guy is grumpy. This guy does not say nice things about many things. But work, there's something in it for him. Maybe work is not a bad thing. And that's the first thing I want to talk about today is that work is good because it comes from God. Work is good because it comes from God. You go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 1. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So the word work pops up three times there. And we discover that the act of creation, God calls it work, which, I mean, he created the heavens and the earth. That's work. He carved out the oceans, sculpted the mountains, came up with an incredibly massive and diverse amount of animals, some that run, some that swim, some that fly. I mean, it's a pretty decent week-long project. When you think of some of your week-long projects, this past summer when I had some time off, I was like, all right, this week I'm going to tackle the basement. Just the basement. Still didn't even finish it. Right? You take like one van load of garbage to the dump and get home. You're like, I'm done for a while. This... No, he created the heavens and the earth. 
Right? He, he's figuring out, like, yeah, the walrus should have a mustache, and yes, the center of the earth should be molten lava, and yes, here's how high the clouds can get before it's outer space, and yes, all just the incredible amount of detail. He does it in one week, and then he rests from his work. It's work. The Bible says that creation was work. That means that God worked. I know that sounds very simple at this point, but by his very nature, isn't anything that God does good? Is God capable of doing anything that's not good? Right? So by its very nature, the fact that God worked makes it a good thing. And in fact, we still talk about how God works because we want God to work on our behalf. We ask for God to work for us. We say prayers and we want him to answer them. We, we even use the phrase that God works miracles. Like we want him to be listening and engaged in a part of our lives and actively moving and, and doing things in the world. Well, that's working. So, so God has worked and God still is working and it's good that he does those things. And so, so work by its very nature was created by God and it is good. Isaiah 64, 4 says, for since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for them. What kind of God works for his people? That even the work that God is doing is new and different and fresh. And the world had never even heard of a God that would work for the people. It's always been the opposite. All the people have got to work for God. But God has done something different when he ushered in work. It was new. And so God has worked and he still does work. And are we not made in his image? Right? Should we not do the things that God does? I mean, isn't the goal progressively every day to look more like him and act more like him and speak more like him? Well, if that's the case, then there's probably going to be some work involved. He created it. But even beyond that, he asks us to do this. God asks us to work. God did not create us to be creatures of comfort and rest all the time. That's not the calling on our life. That's what we pursue. We talked about that last week. But it's not the calling on your life. In fact, if we keep reading Genesis 2, you'll find verse 15 that says, The Lord God places the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. One of the first things God gets his people to do is work. Watch over the garden. Go name all the animals, he says. Here's, you know, it's a big place, and this is going to be a lot of work. And what's important to remember here is that God's act of creation that's work, and, and his asking Adam and Eve to watch over the garden, which is work, all of those things are happening before sin has entered the world. Right? So this is still paradise. This is still what the Bible calls paradise. That means there's work in paradise. I bet not when many of you dream of paradise, is it your workplace? Right? When you think about paradise and how good perfection is going to be, oh yes, I can't wait to work, no one's thinking that. But the Bible seems to indicate that there was work when things were perfect. That somehow work is good for us, that he asks us to do it, that there's purpose in it for us. And it was sin that messed it all up. It's sin that kind of skews work and turns into the thing that, that we don't like. Right, we talk about the fall that happened in the book of Genesis, meaning Adam and Eve, they eat the apple, they disobey God, they face the consequences, and that sin enters the world, and everything gets broken in that moment. Everything, including work. In fact, this is what Genesis chapter 3.17 says. This is God speaking to them. 
Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and though you will eat of its grain by the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So the less poetic version of that is that, guess what? Work's going to be a struggle now. Work will now come with an element of frustration. It will seem more like toil. It's going to be painful. It wasn't supposed to be. It didn't have to be. The work that was before sin was still it was going to be good work. But now that's the thing that has been skewed. It's no longer how God intended it to be. That doesn't make work bad. It makes work broken. Or at least in our approach to work. And the heart we have when it talks about work. And so part of the way we need to think about work is also thinking of it as one of the things that God is going to redeem someday. When that day comes and he makes all things new, new heaven, new earth, things are going to be just like it was supposed to be. Work is going to be one of those things that gets healed, redeemed, fixed. We get a glimpse of this in Revelation chapter 22. John has this vision kind of of the end of the world and heaven. And verse 3 says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. It doesn't say that heaven means the end of work. It means that it's the end of the curse that is on work. And it will be redeemed and fixed and restored. In fact, verse 3, the reference to us being servants would indicate that there's probably things that we will be doing. But it won't be frustrating work. It won't be bad work. It'll be good work, redeeming work, positive work. Such a thing really exists, right? Some of you are not yet convinced. Here's the thing about work the way that God intended it to be is that we actually find value in doing work. There's purpose in it. There's progress in it. It gives us something to do that is worthwhile. And like Solomon said, it actually can lead to enjoyment and satisfaction. Right? People talk about a job well done. Right? Or, or some people after they, they work out and they're all sweaty and their, their body hurts, they're like, that was good. Well, how is it good? Well, it's, it's working. Sometimes work is good. Sometimes it feels good to know that you did something and accomplished something and it was a job well done. Right? Work is not always a negative thing. In fact, it's work that gives value to rest, isn't it? What would rest be if you had nothing to rest from? Rest would be ruined. Right? So it's work that, that gives purpose to rest. God rested on day seven because the first six days were work. Rest is biblical. No one ever argues with that. But sometimes what we forget if we believe that that is true is that work is also good and part of rest. That rest only makes sense in light of work. And just like all work with no rest is incredibly unhealthy, all rest with no work would be equally unhealthy. God modeled this for us. He said, this is how it's supposed to be done. Work and then rest. Both of them are good. Both of them are what he calls us to do. He modeled a proper balance. So work is good. You should not be counting down the days, counting down the hours. When am I going to be done work? Well, this work is terrible. You shouldn't work just so that someday you don't have to work. That there's purpose in it. There's good in it. Uh, right now, the world is at a bit of an interesting crossroads when it comes to work and technology because there are a lot of people actively working very hard to help us not have to do work. 
right? We're living in the age of automation where we're just going to invent machines to do everything, right? You don't have to get a cashier to ring in your groceries. You can do it yourself at a little machine. It does everything for you. It's wonderful, right? You don't have to, uh, I don't know, what's, an, what's another example? I, I don't have to go stand in line at a bank. I can do it all on my phone, right? It, we're we're kind of working people out of their jobs. Why sweep the floor when you can buy a Roomba? I am pro Roomba. I am all about the Roomba in my life. I need to get one. Amazon has even announced that drones will do their deliveries someday, right? Which is great. Again, I am all for the robot uprising if it means little robots will deliver me things to my door. That's great. That's going to be super. Right? And, and maybe some of you have heard about like Google Home or Amazon's Alexa, these digital assistants that you can just ask to do whatever. You turn my lights on, turn the heat up, play a song, order me a pizza, and they'll just do it all for you, right? And, and it's kind of good and kind of creepy all at the same time, but they're intended to keep us from having to do some of that work, no matter how small or menial a task that might be. You could just stand up and turn the lights on, but why stand when you can sit? when a robot can do it for you. It's great. The obvious concern that people have, of course, and kind of what you're seeing online right now is that people are concerned that we're eventually gonna work so many people out of a job that, that what's gonna happen, right? If, if you can get a robot to ring in your groceries and deliver stuff to your door, then we don't need cashiers and we don't need UPS delivery people. We, we don't need kind of all these things because we've gotten them out of a job. And so people are a little concerned about that, but, but what people are now talking about, even people who aren't remotely religious, is that there's something dangerous and inherently unhealthy for us to actually not have work to do. That they've discovered that, that there's actual depression that will set in with people who don't have that drive every day to get up and have to do something because they lose their value of, of progress and purpose and of feeling like they accomplished something. We can't work ourselves out of work because work is good for us. It's almost like God knew all along there was a purpose for it in giving it to us to do. Work is good. It's why he created it. It's why he called it good, and it's why he invited us to do it. So work is not against you, right? Some of you thought, oh, work is against me. Work is for you. God is using your work for you. There is a benefit in it for you. And here's the thing is that the Bible actually tells us how to work, which is really the important thing how to work. The Bible is full of examples of how we should work, how we should work hard, how we should work well, how that we should work in a way that, that honors God. This is Colossians 3.23. It says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. He's saying, so whatever it is you're doing, then you're actually doing it for the Lord. He is the one you should be setting out to please. He is the one that you should be honoring in the way that you kind of go about doing your job. So, so whatever you're doing, you need to work at it well. Whether you love it or you hate it, work as if you're working for the Lord. Whether it's temporary or permanent, you should work well at it. Whether it's school and you think, I'm just going to be done with this someday, you should still work well at it. And think as if you are really working for Jesus anyway. He is the one we ultimately work for. So what that means for all of us, as difficult as this is sometimes, you can show up at a job you don't like and work for a boss that you don't like and still find a way to do it for God's glory. That's the calling on people who call themselves followers of Christ. 
that you can still go to that job knowing full well that even though this person might be your boss, the person you are out to honor, honor on, like, above all is the Lord. And perhaps he is the one who has blessed you with that job that you get to go do. And maybe there's lessons to be learned in working under people that cause you a hard time. That maybe God will actually use that in your favor. God's got purpose in your work. And so even working at a job you dislike can actually be an act of worship. Because you're choosing to honor God in doing something that might not be your preference. That's worship. That's saying that God is bigger and better than what your preferences are. So we will work well. In fact, it reflects God well to the people around us when they see us working well at a job they know we don't like. And what if your actual work at your job ends up being kingdom work and that you're showing people Jesus Christ just by the way that you're doing your job? He can redeem all work. In fact, someone asked a well-known pastor and author, his name is Tim Keller, someone asked what it looks like to be a Christian worker. Like not, not a ministry worker, but like a, a Christian cashier, a Christian airline pilot. And his answer was, a really good Christian airline pilot is not just someone who talks to their passengers about Jesus. It's someone who first and foremost lands the plane. <laughs> right? Meaning that you doing a good job at your work is a way to honor God. Meaning that you, you, like it's just doing it well. It's working hard. It's living it out. It's honoring God. It's not getting upset and blowing up when things don't go your way. It's the way that you respond relationally to some of your coworkers who might give you a hard time. It's being the light at the office that might be a very dark place otherwise. It's being that person at the office that's there to give helpful advice to or, or light to when something difficult happens. And, and you can step up and find a place. What if your work is greater than your work but it's kingdom work that God has given you. He can use it all for his glory. So do a good job. Be skillful at your job. Land the plane first and honor God in the way that you do that. This is what separates work from just frustrating toil day after day. This is what separates work from, from being the drive in your life that you think needs to give you purpose and contentment and fulfillment. That was Solomon's mistake, was, was he was trying to find contentment in work and he came up empty. If you were here last week, you'll remember he, he built houses for years and years. He, he you know, constructed buildings and planted gardens and built irrigation systems and all. I mean, that was hard work. And at the end of it, he was like, yeah, that was meaningless. Not that the work was meaningless, that the pursuit in his life to have work be the thing that, that was his contentment and fulfillment was meaningless. And that's what we're learning all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, is that all these things are actually good things until you make them the primary pursuit of your life. Nothing will satisfy you. Pleasure won't, work won't. Nothing will satisfy except Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been learning. Here's what Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 2.21. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill and then leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get in life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at nights, their mind cannot rest. It's all meaningless, right? Do you understand why some people are so distraught in their work? Because that is their truth. Work is toil and drudgery and, and anxiety. And at the end of the day, it didn't give me contentment. And they're finding their purpose in things that aren't going to give it to them. Work is not meaningless 
It's when you make it the goal of your life that you will find that it is meaningless. And there are so many people around the world who have made work the primary pursuit of their life. Work is everything to them. And they will sacrifice their family for work. They will sacrifice their health for work. There are so many different issues that people are inundated with, whether it's mental health or physical health, all driven from work. People are workaholics. Why? Because they have tied their work to their identity. They can't separate them. And, and work is the thing that has become kind of this, this will be the thing that gives me my value. This is going to be the thing that gives me my worth. If I work hard enough, if I do a good enough job, if I stand out enough for people to notice me, then I'll be somebody. Right? And it is a subtle temptation from the enemy that says your level of success at work is directly tied to your value as a person. It is a lie. Your work does not determine your worth. And some people need to separate their work from their identity. They are not the same thing. Your work does not determine your worth. You understand that your identity is found in Jesus Christ. Not in what you can do. Not in what you have to earn. Not in how much you have to perform to impress people. It's not about how big your paycheck is. Or small. Our worth is found in Jesus Christ. And so your work doesn't determine your worth. It's not even what you can do for Christ. This is a thing that gets me sometimes. It's, it's not even the work. If you work harder for Jesus than you do at actually just knowing Jesus, then something's wrong. And, and as a pastor, I will confess to falling to that trap sometimes. And you think in the past year, have I been more focused on knowing Christ or working for Christ? That's a hard one. And I've been guilty of it before. Your work doesn't determine your worth. However, it still matters. It matters that we do it well. It matters that we honor God. It matters how we show up. It matters how we reflect Jesus to the people that are working around us. And remember that, that work means all kinds of different things. There are people in this room who don't work as a career for a variety of different reasons, but work doesn't necessarily mean occupation. And just like your identity is not your occupation or vice versa, there are a lot of people who can work at things even if they're not currently working. You can work hard at, at raising your children. You can work hard at your marriage. You can work hard at your finances. You can work hard doing kingdom work. You can work hard at fun. You can work hard at the arts, practicing an instrument or learning how to do something really well or whatever it is that might be for you. You work hard at whatever you do, Paul said. It doesn't have to be the thing that gives you a paycheck. And kingdom work on top of that. Right? You should be working hard at your walk with Jesus you realize that you don't coast into growth. You have to work hard at it. And just like we roll our eyes at all those like fitness pills, like you, you take this pill every day and you will lose 78 pounds without having to break a sweat. Lies. You have to break a sweat. Right? Don't assume that you will just get better at your walk with Jesus Christ because you come to church once a week. Now work at it. Get into the Word. Read some books. Right? Take some time to listen, to walk, to ask people about what, what they're doing and what they believe and how it's going. This past Monday night, we had evening college. And on a, on a freezing cold Monday night in the middle of January, we had almost 50 people show up to learn about the Old Testament. Blew my mind. 
Why? Because they care about their walk. They want to learn more. They want it to make sense. And they want to get better in their faith. You've got to work at the things that matter, especially your walk with Jesus. And so be encouraged and reminded today that work is not a bad thing. God has created it. He has called it good. He has invited you to do it. And it's often in partnership with his work that is even above your work. In fact, God has given you gifts and skills and abilities to do that work. He has called us to do certain kinds of work. He needs us to do that kind of work because every place that you go to work is a mission field. Every place that you can go to work is a different kind of work beyond the boss that you have, beyond the paycheck you might get. And it's work for the church as well. So don't worship work, but be sure to worship while you work. Be sure to worship in a way that people know and take notice and see Christ in your life. And let's work hard at the kingdom stuff. Life is too short and there is way too much at stake to have a bunch of lazy Christians. Amen? Amen. Know your word. Take the time to read it. Take the time to pray. Don't keep having that thing be that, oh, it doesn't give me a paycheck. That's, I don't have time for that. Oh, I got to cut that out today. I didn't have time. Work hard at it, church, because this is a thing that matters a lot. We need to work well. So even if you're retired today, your work matters regardless of what it is. Even if you're a student today and you've got 10 more years before you work somewhere, you're still doing work that matters. Work hard at it and honor God. And maybe in doing so, we'll discover like Solomon did that work can actually be enjoyment and satisfying and good and healthy if it's in the right place in your life. If your primary pursuit is still Jesus. And if you understand that God can use your work to do greater things that you can even fathom. So we have a lot of work to do. But let's do it well. And let's honor God while we do that. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for us today. Because this is a, it's a big topic for a lot of people. I want to pray for people that this week you're going to have to wake up on Monday morning and go to a job that you don't like and it's hard. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for people in this room that are addicted to work and they're a workaholic and they can't find the time to get away from work and it's kind of taken over their lives. We want to pray for you today that you would find freedom from that. I want to pray for people today that have their work and their identity wrapped up at the same thing and they can't separate the two. And you need to know who you are in Christ regardless of the job you have. Jobs come and go like that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He needs to be your foundation, not an occupation. There's a lot of people that wrestle with different things at work. And maybe for some of you, you've got someone at work that you have been witnessing to, that you have tried to be a light to. We want to pray for that today. That your work is greater than your work. But it can be kingdom work as well. Let's join together and pray for these things today. God, you are good and we are grateful for the work that you have called us to do. And so I pray right now for all those things that we just said, for, for people that have to wake up tomorrow or whenever it is and do a job they don't like. God, I pray that you would help them worship you in the way that they get up and go and honor you and work well and speak well and live well regardless. And that would use that, God, in their life for a greater purpose. That you would teach them through that and strengthen them through that. God, for people that, that are working too much and they know they are and they don't know how to break out of it. Or maybe they don't know they are and they need conviction today. And they're missing out on their family. They're missing out on rest and it's not good. I, I pray that you would kind of start breaking that in their life. That there would be freedom 
from that, that there would be hope in the middle of that, and that you would call them to something that's, that's better and holier and healthier. God, I pray that for all of us as we go to work this week, or school, or whatever it is, that we would understand that it's all a mission field, and as we seek first the kingdom, that that's greater than the work that we do at our work. So help us to be a light, help us to speak well, Your word says to be ready for every conversation, to be seasoned like salt and full of grace. May we do that at our workplace this week, Jesus. Help us to know that we are your sons and daughters. We are not our occupation title. And so God, I pray freedom and grace and strength over all of us. You are good and we love you. And we pray all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.